You're listening to a sermon audio from Cypress Church. You can listen to more sermons on our website or by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes. We hope you enjoy the sermon and invite you to attend one of our services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Good morning, everybody. How are you this morning? This is a... Thank you, worship team. Appreciate you. Uh... It's interesting, been an interesting week, a uh, difficult week. Many of you have already heard the news that uh, our beloved um, Pastor Clayton Slagle, one of our staff, has uh, died. He was ushered into heaven uh, Wednesday morning around 7 a.m. I always called Clayton the senior pastor of Cypress Church because he was the most senior pastor of Cypress Church. He, he said he was here to hassle the old people, uh, but uh, uh, he was our oldest member of, on our staff and, uh, and a mentor and a friend and a father figure to, to me and many others. Also that sweet, kind, gracious, generous, godly man of integrity we long to be like. If I could say one thing about Clayton, it would be, he helped me be a better man. And though death is the destiny of everyone, as Ecclesiastes 7.2 says, it still stings. And the impact is real. And the truth is, that's natural. For Clayton fearlessly and intentionally followed Jesus. And Clayton sought to love like Jesus. He really loved us like Jesus. Uh, I'm sure he impacted many of you and probably each of you that had an interaction with him have a Clayton story. A, a letter, a call, a moment in the hallway where he made an impact on your life. He made an impact because Clayton <clears throat> loved like Jesus, but he believed and placed his hope in our loving and merciful God. But it, it still hurts. And we mourn and lament the pain, the loss, the grief of his passing. And it's because this is a normal part of life. We all knew that this day would happen, but never wanted for it. For life has difficulties and fears and hardships and tragedies and heartaches. That's just simply real life. None of us here have ever experienced a smooth life with no problems. If you had, don't raise your hand. (laughs) Because we'll all not like you. (laughs) Just kidding. But we all, that's real life. It is what it is. And we are to face whatever is thrown our way and to continue to press on. But we're not to press on alone. We were meant to mourn and grieve or face our difficulties together. We've been studying is this uh, series called Jesus Built. In other words, Jesus building this church, not the building, the people, this family. It's to be Jesus built. And, and we're to jump in by saying, hey, let's do this. Let's do this together. And we were meant to do this together. We've been looking at the Bible book of First Corinthians chapter 12 for most of this study. We've looked at a few other passages as well. But uh, we've been looking in First Corinthians talking about the essence of working together, sharing our gifts, uh, loving each other uh, fearlessly and fearfully, and our fear, fear, 
fearfully, fearlessly. <clears throat> but it's not only just helping each other discover your gifts and heading towards a project. It's also dealing with the issues of life. As a matter of fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 25 and 27 say it this way. So that there should be no divisions in the body, but that it is part, its parts, each one of us, should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffer, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. We're, when we come to that place in life where we understand that we're not part of Christ's body, in other words, that sin has separated us out there, and that's true for all of us, so you're all in the same boat, that sin has separated us from God. And yet, we want to be part of God's body. We want to be part of His family because that's where true joy is found. That's where true help in life is found. That's where our, our entrance to heaven is found through there. And, and living in sin is not the right deal. We all know that. And, and, and at least we're not know that. We should know that. And we're heading towards that way. And when we come to that place where we understand that we're sinful and need a Savior, and it's Jesus, uh, and we're ushered into that family of God, that, that body of Christ, and where there is true help and hope and where we can band together as we walk through the difficulties and the struggles of life. We, were, we're, we are to help each other, to point people to the steadfast love and mercy of God because He is the one. He is the one to, capable of, to get us through, to comfort us and to strengthen us and to give us a peace that surpasses understanding. We are in this together. God never intended us to, us to go solo. And yet sometimes it seems like when we go through the deepest, darkest valleys of life, we either seclude ourselves from others or we feel that sense of aloneness. And because of that, and not just the tragedy of, of Clayton's loss, but that's what motivated us to change the message this morning to better equip us to walking through together the devastation and difficulty reality brings. I was going to talk about uh, generosity this morning and I was, I was actually going to talk about money. I, I was even going to give you some. So Seriously, I was. It, it was only going to be a, a penny or some quarters on your chair. <laughs> but, uh, but, but it didn't seem... And, and Clayton is you know, one of the most generous men I know. And, and I could have used them as an illustration, but I felt like that it would have been taken wrong. And, and, uh, and, and plus, I, we need to talk about this. We need to talk about how to apply God's love and mercy in times of sorrow. So how do we deal with life, life's difficulties? How do we apply this, this Jesus-built plans and say, let's do this as a connected body of Christ, as one church, as one family? applying the love and mercy of God in times of sorrow. Well, there's an incredible book that probably most of you have not spent a whole lot of time in because it's a little bit depressing. It's the book of Lamentations. And we're going to be looking at that as a book that helps us get real and honest with life's pains and sorrows. And, and even when we bring it on ourselves. You see, <clears throat> uh, Israel had... Uh, been given a, a contract with God. God says, okay, you're my people, I've chosen you, and I'm not going to change in that. However, 
if you choose to do this and this and this, follow my will, follow my way, do things the way I want you to do, you will be blessed. And then God says, the other side of the contract is that if you don't do this and don't follow my will and way, it's not going to be good. It's going to be bad. Well, Israel, just like us, has the opportunity to make a choice. And they chose not to go God's way, but go their own way, thinking that they actually know what's best. And they chose not to go God's direction, and tragedy struck. They were carried away into captivity, living as the lowliest slaves of all. The Bible book of Jeremiah talks a lot about them coming into captivity. And whether we, we, we come into this, the, the tragedy ourselves, in other words, we got ourselves there. We messed up. We didn't, we didn't follow God's direction. We, do ex- we did exactly what God told us not to do or did the very thing he told us not to do and not, not do the things he told us to do. Sins of omission and commission. We still face a tragedy. And it's not, or tragedies just happen in life. Difficulties happen. People like Clayton die. He didn't do anything wrong. It just happens in life. You lose a job. You, you face a difficulty. Or you walk into sin. And in those times, it, it's not that we stuff the feelings down and never talk about how we feel. But God wants us to be authentic. And He wants us to, to go ahead and and, and walk through the grief, uh, the, the, the frustration, the angst and, and uh, anguish that we feel when we go through difficult times. And the Bible book of Lamentations is this just outpouring of, ah, here's how I feel. But not without hope. Though it, though it sounds very hopeless. And God doesn't want us to just stuff. He wants us to share. He, he wants us to join together and feel with each other and apply God's love and mercy in times of sorrow. So take your Bible, if you will, and open up to Lamentations chapter 3. It's found in the last part of your, kind of, well, not quite middle, but a little past middle of your Old Testament. If you want a Bible, uh, borrow one. Our ushers have those in their hands and they're walking down the aisle. If you want to wave at them, you can do that and find the book of Lamentations because what we're going to do this morning, a little different, we're just going to simply walk through these verses. And uh, um, I encourage you to, to uh, uh, take out of your worship folder. There's a, a note page if you want to follow along. Uh, this, uh, um, when... Clayton passed on Wednesday. I just, as I was, I was actually done with my sermon, mostly done with my sermon, and I just, both Justin and I sat down and we said, you know, I don't think we can preach this sermon on generosity right now. And so we both uh, chose to go through the book of Lamentations. He's doing that and, and that. And so if the notes helps. Also, um, I was able to put together a study guide if you want to look at this further, or I'll mention some of the extra verses there on here. I, there's no fill in the blanks this time. I spared you that, and you can uh, just follow along. But you can pick up the study guide as it kind of walks through a little more of what we're talking with this morning. But I believe God wants to challenge you this morning, not just with Clayton's home going and, the, and how you feel about that, but all, we're going to all face tragedies and difficulties in our life. And we need to know how to grieve well. 
and how to apply God's love and mercy in times of sorrow. So that's what we're going to do this morning. And I know it's going to sound a little bit like, oh man, Mike, this is so down. It ends well, just so you know that. So why don't you stand up and let's pray and ask God to, to challenge us this morning. I know some of you are standing here and you can barely stand. Maybe it's because of what you experienced, the sorrow because you felt greatly loved by Clayton. And it is hard to stand sometimes. For those of you who faced even greater difficulty with your own family, maybe it's someone's loss or a couple of them and or financial issues or whatever, and, and there's a sorrow that you're going through. God has something for you this morning. Father, meet us at our point of need. Holy Spirit, minister to our soul. Help us gain from this time together in your word. It may not be all happy sunshine and, and, and that, God, but it's, it's something important we need to gain from your word today. Help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a seat, and I do encourage you to jot down some notes, but... To apply God's love and mercy in times of sorrow, we need to, as Lamentations chapter 3, verses 1 to 3 says, except we all face difficult and devastating times. Chapter 3 of Lamentations, verses 1 to 3. I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. He has driven and brought me into darkness without any light. Surely against me he turns his hand again and again the whole day long. Boy, you can even feel the, uh, the, the hurt pull off of that page as you, this person just feels pushed out, pushed back, beat down in what they're facing in life. Some of you have seen much affliction. Some have less. But the reality is the dark shaft of tragic loss in death will come. As we mentioned, Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 2 says, and death is the destiny of every man. None of us, none of us wanted Clayton to go. He kept telling me, Mike, I, I you know, because he was a volunteer pastor, then we were to pay him a stipend, and then we're not. And just, but he just came here and he said, "Mike, I'll give up my office. I don't need to work. I don't, you know, just I don't need to be on staff." And I said, "Not a chance." I said, "We need you." And we, we would do a memorial service together, and and he would say, "You know, Mike, when my time comes, I go, Clayton, just don't even talk about that. I've done a few difficult memorial services in my time, and the third is going to be one of my hardest." Because I loved him dearly, as many of you did. But that tragic loss of death is a reality of life. And not only that, that there's an acute anguish of life not going as we desired. Well, we had hoped this job would come and, and it would handle all of our financial issues and, and we'd be kind of sitting in the black for once in the life and, uh, and not always bills upon bills and not living from paycheck to paycheck and all of a sudden the job crumbles or a new bill comes up. The income doesn't come in and financially we are just facing an anguish that just, Lord, we wish the money would just be there. Or maybe it's politically. Our nation is struggling with that. People are fearful of what is to come. They're fearful at what has come. 
and it doesn't hit what we had hoped for and so there's a, a anguish there and maybe health wise it seems like every single week when you fill out those prayer requests a new person says please pray for me I just found out I have cancer that hits deep there is a deep anguish there when we go through the, the issues of, of health and, and that and, and relationally that long-time friendship just simply ends because you didn't do what they wanted. And it hurts. Thanksgiving is just around the corner and Christmas, the holiday season. And this is one of the times when when the, the reality of fractured family relationships just seems to be, boom, spotlight right on it. And that anguish is even more real. We need to accept that we all face difficult and devastating times and the cascade of hopelessness from compounding issues because, you see, it's not just a death in the family. It's a death in the family and financial issues and relationship issues and, and work issues and, and it just keeps the health issues and it just keeps them mount up and mount up and mount up. It's not just one. It's a multiplicity of problems. And then the enveloping weight of pain is as sure as the sunrise physical pain, emotional pain, mental pain, or even spiritual pain. God never promised a trouble-free life of sunshine and warm hugs. We all face issues, every single one of us. We all do. We face them. Jesus was very clear in John 13 or John 16:33, in this world you will face Tribulation. It's, it's going to happen. And though we know it's part of a sin-sick world where the devil is doing his dirty work, we can feel also under God's wrath. Yet we must believe in God's word. Some of you know this passage. You've memorized it. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give a you will hope in a future. That word prosper is the Hebrew word shalom. You've heard that word before. It's a greeting. People say shalom. It means welcome. It means a blessing of prosperity and good, word, good, good health and, and wellness to you. God has that for us, even in the midst of the difficulties of life. And we need to believe in that. And to trust in that. See, applying God's love and mercy in times of sorrow is to turn to God in trust. It's a choice to say, I am going to trust in God rather than the circumstances, rather than how I feel. I'm going to trust in God. Like I said, Clayton and I did a, did a number of uh, memorial services together. When I first got here 12 years ago, I think it was something like 30 people died within the first six months. New pastor shows up, I can go. I don't know what I would have done without him. Time and time again, I said, I, I think I would just be in a fetal position in my office, whimpering if it weren't for Clayton, just handling some of the weight of this. And uh, um, he said, Mike, you preach, I'll take care of the rest. I said, okay, I can do that. And we would... Uh, we would sit many times, we would stand right down here as the um, people would be leaving and heading towards the reception and he'd put his arm around me and always had a kind word to say and I would say something to him in the same way and 
he said, Mike, you know, I don't know how people make it without Jesus. Clayton put his trust in the Lord. An amazing trust in God that even when he, uh, when Dot was going through, his wife Dot was going through cancer, um, well, he could have cursed God, been mad at God. God, I'm, we're 85 years old or plus. He's almost 85. He's just, just about made it. His birthday is um, the 30th of this month. And uh, he goes, God, you know, he could have said, God, we're 80 years old. Why, why do you want to give us cancer now? I mean, just take us home if that's the case. But he didn't. Not a single thread of that. He trusted in Jesus no matter what happened in his life. We all face difficult and devastating times. And it's, it's times like this we need to have that, that ruthless trust in God. That no matter what the circumstance, no matter what our mind screams out that doesn't sound natural to say, God, I don't get it, but I'm going to trust in you all the way through this. And to turn and really actually believe that he's going to help. Let's turn to God in trust. Let's read on. And get honest with God. This is the, the full vent of feelings. You see, one of the, the, the difficult things when we go through tragedy is that we tend to bottle it all up and put on a happy face. Oh, I'm fine. Everything's just fine. Okay, I'm, I'm doing good. How are you, Dave? Oh, just fine. And inside we're going, I'm not fine. My whole world just crashed. And yet we don't want to be honest and authentic. Yet God calls us to that authenticity and we need to be real with our feelings. And we are to lament, to express out how we feel. Even our frustration with God. Listen how the this lament goes. <clears throat> Verses 4 to 6. He has made my flesh and my skin waste away. He has broken my bones. He has besieged and enveloped me with bitterness and tribulation. He has made me dwell in darkness like the dead of long ago. That dead of long ago is a scary graveyard, bodies rotting kind of scene. With the putrescence of death in the air. It's easy to feel that way when difficulties come our way. That we feel broken, we feel beat down, we feel uh, uh, left alone. And just in our own tribulation, the bitterness of that and in that dark place when tragedy hits and when we have gone not God's way under the discipline of God and to apply God's love and mercy in times of sorrow is to turn to God even in our pain and frustration even in the, the mounting up of how we feel to, to still <clears throat> move towards God and, and trust Him enough in that regard no, there's more. The full vent is, is coming and continues. He walled me about so that I cannot escape. He 
made my chains heavy. Though I call and cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. He's blocked my ways with blocks of stone. He's made my way, my paths crooked. It's easy to feel caged in with our difficulties. Fear has a way of doing that. Fear gives us a cage and we feel locked into that. And yet to apply God's love and mercy in times of sorrow is to turn and to pray anyways. Even though we feel like our prayers aren't going past the ceiling is to continue to pray and to cry out to God. I, God, I don't know if you're, you're even hearing me, but, but I just got to call. I got to contact. I've got to reach up to you in prayer. It's easy for in tragedy to feel like God doesn't listen because what we want is we want it all to be erased away, all to be gone. And that's not life. It'll all be gone come heaven. (laughs) And believe me, Clayton is enjoying the reality of heaven full on. (sighs) Telling his stupid jokes. Hey, Mike, I got, I got this great one for you. And he would go on. And he's waiting for us. But yet it's easy to feel like our prayers don't go anywhere. And yet we're to pray anyways. And to continue to turn to God. <clears throat> the venting goes on. Verse 10. He is a bear lying in wait for me, a lion in hiding. He turned aside my steps and tore me to pieces and made me desolate. Bent his bow and set me as the target for his arrow. He drove into my kidney the arrow of his quiver. See, it's easy to feel when you're in the midst of tragedy that you're hunted. I know I felt like that. I feel like there's a target on my back. It just seems like I'm I'm waiting for when's the next shoe going to fall? When's the next issue going to hit? Because I know it's coming. And it's easy to feel that that defeated, uh, hunted sense that I'm running fearfully trying to figure it out, but I know it's going to get me in the end. Now applying God's love and mercy in times of sorrow is to turn aside and run but to run towards God. That's where the refuge is. Listen to Psalm 511. But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them that those who love your name may rejoice in you because that's where the joy is found. The joy is not found in any other way. Yes, the circumstance would end, but that's not going to bring you joy. Yes, you could have everything you wanted, everything you asked for, but that's not where the joy is going to be found. The joy is found right in God because he has a way to infuse his joy right into you. And in the midst of the, the issues you face, you can rejoice God to consider it pure joy, James says, when we encounter various trials knowing that the testing of our faith produces endurance. Because God is walking with us. Psalm 46, 1. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. And Psalm 57, 1. Have mercy on me, O God. 
have mercy on me, for in you my soul takes refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. And I love how Psalm 30 verse 11 says, He will turn our mourning into dancing again. It's not going to be the way it is for all eternity. There is hope. There is help. And it's found in God. Yes, we need to be honest. Honest with how we feel. And, and, and to say, I'm struggling, doesn't mean that God's not with you. To say, I'm hurting, doesn't mean that we're not hoping in God. But we've got to be honest. And there is more as we hear this full vent of difficulty and affliction. Verse 14. I have become a laughingstock for all people, the object of their taunts all day long. He has filled me with bitterness and has sated me with wormwood and he has made my teeth to grind on gravel, made, my, made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say, my endurance has perished. And so has my hope from the Lord. Boy, do you sense the utter hopelessness? That's how it feels. And some of you have been right there. You know what it feels like to feel utterly hopeless. That sickness just cannot be cured and I'm facing it time and time again. It's not just one death, it's another death. It's not just one job loss. I can't get a job. I don't have any money to pay my bills. I'm struggling with this. This relationship's not working. And time and time again, we've forgotten what happiness is. And it's okay to be honest with that. So then, to apply God's love and mercy in times of sorrow is not to stay in that state of venting. To not stay in that uh, sense of lament. But to seek to find our hope in the one who can bring us hope. To find our hope in God. Saying God is enough. What he has given, I will take and know that it's all I need for the afflictions that I face and that come my way. But that requires us to get honest with God. The question is, will you really be honest and lament? James 5.16 tells us, even share your sins one with another. (laughs) That's why we need to be together. We need to share our hearts. James 5.16 says, share your sins one with another. That's that's great. Oh yeah, let's all share how our worst, deepest, darkest sins together. (laughs) Who wants to do that? That's embarrassing. Yet God calls us to that gut level, open-bared honesty with each other and, and certainly with Him. But to lament is good, but we are not to stay there. For these next few verses say that we are to find our hope in the love and mercy of God. So everybody take a deep breath. (sighs) And let it out. Okay. The lament is over. (laughs) 
Now it's time to find our hope in God. Finally, it's a little more positive to the message today. But here is how we find hope in the love and mercy of God. Verse 19 and 20. Remember my afflictions and my wanderings, the wormwood and gall. My soul continually remembers it as I bow down within me. To bow down and to pray and to now have that connection with God. To pray and humbly go to God. Approach Him. To have a humble enough heart that says, you know what, I cannot find help. I won't find help in anybody but you, God. Take that time and that moment to talk to God, whether you write down your prayer or whether you have someone help you pray by praying for you and and then helping you pray. And next, to bring to mind the goodness and the reality of God. Verse 21. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Just a few verses before, it says, my endurance has perished and my hope and And so is my hope in the Lord. But now he's saying there is hope because he's now focused on God. And here is what he's focused on God for. The steadfast love of God never ceases. That steadfast love of God is the chesed of God. It's that loving kindness of God that's loyal. That will always be there. That that never ends. It's a love that Romans 8 says that nothing can separate us from the love of God. It's the same kind of love that that Psalm 139 expressed when when God says he knit us together inside of our mom, cell by cell, feature by feature, and he just looks at you and goes, woohoo, what a masterpiece. You may look in the mirror and go, what a mess. Physically and emotionally. But if you really read down deep in Psalm 139, when it talks about having knit us together, it says he knit us together heart, mind, and soul. He gave you the personality you have. He gave you the the abilities you have and the features you have. He put into place because that's beautiful. And as as Zephaniah 3.17 says that he, he sings songs about you. He is so happy to be in your presence. He is so happy to have created you. He is so happy that you're with him and alive. I, you know, I have three wonderful children, but I have three amazing grandchildren. And you know, we, we have had the privilege to, to hang around them the last couple of days and and they're getting just to the age where they're, you know, they're running around in their little waddle and, and, uh, and they can say Papa, which is a blast for me, and Christy's called Mormor. And, uh, um, and they, they say our name all the time, but when they come in, their face lights up and they go, Papa! And they come running and they hug me and we, we roll on the ground and have fun and, and they want, you know, they're always asking for a hold up and, and uh, uh, to, to hold them and, and to, to love on them and do stuff with them. And here come, they want to show me stuff. And, and, and it is the delight of my heart. And I so enjoy just, just being, everything in my whole world just pushes aside. And all I can see is these three cute little faces and, 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 and I want to hear about their day and, and they can't talk, you know, they, I think, well, they are talking. I just don't understand their language. I don't have the gift of, I don't have the gift of tongues of that, whatever it is. I'm trying. And, 
you know, little Moses has got the most um, uh, language right now, you know. Emma M's, please. M and M's, you know, candies. M and M's, please, in a cup, Papa. Of course. <laughs> you can have anything you want. It was his birthday yesterday. That's how God feels about us. You are the center of his attention. And he's God. He makes all of us the center of attention. He cares about you. Every thought, every movement, he loves you incredibly. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. It's a constant flow and he's constantly reminding you from the, the beautiful sunset to the starry skies to the, just that sense that you get over you that says, God loves me. To the hearing of his words this morning, God loves you. His love is patient and kind as 1 Corinthians 13 says. We are to set our mind on that. That's where hope is. The verse goes on. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God's mercies are new. Meaning, they are new to a new day. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus was with his disciples. Uh, They were struggling with life. They had had lost a lot for God. They had left their, their... their uh, businesses, they had left their former life, and now they were being chased after and persecuted and all kinds of things. And now Jesus tells them, here's how to live. And so they were heading out and and they were worried about what they were going to eat and what they were going to wear and where they were going to stay. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, why do you worry about these things? The birds of the air, the grass of the field, they're all taken care of. Doesn't God care more about you than these? And he says, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the love of God. Seek first all that there is of God. Put that in your mind. And his way of life is all these things will fall into place. The very next verse from Matthew 6.33, Matthew 6.34, Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself Live each day, or each day has enough trouble of its own. Live each day one day at a time. Because the truth is, today's issues are going to be different than tomorrow's issues. And you need new mercies today to handle today's issues. See, the mercies today won't handle tomorrow's issues. Once you get to tomorrow, then you'll need that day's, ish, that day's mercies. And that's how these mercies work. God gives you everything you need. He gives you uh, new compassion, new kindness, new understanding, new generosity, new help, new relief to handle those troubles today. That's why it's so exciting that there, there are new morning mercies. Because God gives you exactly what you need for today. And when tomorrow comes, He'll give you exactly tailor-made Help for tomorrow. So trust in that. That those mercies are coming. 
The question is, are you reaching out for them? Because they're not the cookies on the low shelf, or the high shelf. They're the cookies on the low shelf. They're then right in arm's reach. And so we're to reach out to those, the help and, and guidance and kindness of God constantly and seek to bring them into our lives. We tend to look other places, yet we need to look to God and His mercies. For as verse 24 says, The Lord is my portion, says says my soul. Therefore, I will put my hope in Him. It's seeing God's mercies as enough. You see, we have what we have by the hand of God. And we have what we don't have by the hand of God as well. That doesn't just work for money. That works for His mercies. What you have are today's mercies and that is enough. We think it should be more. But God says, no, I've given you enough for today. I've given you exactly what you need today. Not that he's trying to get us to scrimp or or lose weight in some way or whatever it is. He he wants to give us exactly what we need. So we need to delve into that, what he has for us. It is enough. Verse 25. The Lord is good to those who wait for for him to the soul who seeks him this is the promise the Lord is good to those who wait for him to the soul who seeks him God's love endures never ends never changes it endures and continues to endure you can't shut it off you can pretend it's not there but you can't shut it off God's mercies are endless The unique, tailor-designed mercies are there today, right at arm's reach. And God's faithfulness lasts. God is enough. See, See, life is difficult. Hurt happens. And special people like Clayton Slagle get taken home too soon. And we all need to walk through these valleys together, being honest with God and with each other and helping each other as we're applying God's love and mercy in these times of sorrow. So we are to accept that we all face difficult and devastating times and to get honest with God and to find our hope in the love, the steadfast love and the new morning mercies of God. So let's do this. Let's do this together. Helping each other apply God's love and mercy in times of sorrow. Will you pray with me? Father, I know this has been an interesting message. And Lord, I know I... I think we all needed to experience your love and mercy more because of all that we go through. And so, Lord, I pray that you administer to us even now. As now your Holy Spirit will work on our soul. Help us to vent a little bit. 
to grieve a little bit. Prevent that anguish and frustration to you. And to join together and to walk forward how you want us to. Thank you, Father. Help us lament well. We pray this in Jesus' name.